With me today is Darren Muriner from Cloverleaf. Welcome, Darren. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, I'm excited to have you join the uh, the uh, Innovation Conversations with NFP podcast because you are, I believe, the first HR tech company that we've classified in, in, in our NFP Innovation Lab uh, to do a podcast with us. So uh, congratulations on that distinct honor. That's awesome. I love being first. <laughs> well, for those who don't know uh, about Cloverleaf, why don't you tell us uh, what Cloverleaf is and who you are? Yeah, perfect. Thank you uh, for the intro, and I'm excited to talk to your audience today. Um, Cloverleaf is a performance management tool that's really built around the team concept. So uh, one of our taglines is we build high-performing teams. And uh, part of what we've identified is, you know, obviously more and more work is getting done um, in teams. You know, in the 80s, we might have been way more of a goods-producing economy, but more and more value is created for organizations in the interactions between people. And unfortunately, when we think about teaming inside of organizations, um, most people don't get past the concept of skills and availability. So do you know Java and um, do you have, you know, 25% spare time, which, you know, no one ever has. But, um, <laughs> I, I always classify my time off as 15%, 25%. That's how I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which, you know, it's never, that, that means we're all working on our 50%. Of course, um, of course. And so most people never get past those two concepts. And, and you know, a big part of our thesis, and I think uh, a ton of research over the last five to ten years, and it continues to reinforce this, is that really it's in those interactions and the relationships that we have with each other and how we come to, you know, creative solutions. Uh, that process is really important to the level of productivity and the performance that we have organizationally. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what our tool is designed to do. Uh, we use a lot of different inputs, including assessments, uh, common assessments that most people have taken, things like DISC and strengths finders, Myers-Briggs, and, um, all of these things that our organizations have invested in or maybe each of us have taken uh, multiple times throughout our career. And the focus is on how do we organize that along with like skill and competency data to give a really comprehensive picture of team performance, but more importantly, the individual in the context of that team performance. So, um, you know, we keep being told that there's nothing else like it on the market. Uh, we'd like to, to think that. And um, so I, I think we are doing fairly innovative work in the, in the HR tech space. Very cool. How long has the company been around, Darren? Yeah, so we're, we're about two years old. Um, we, we have uh, done some fundraising and have some uh, venture venture capital behind us. Uh, we're based in Cincinnati, Ohio, so it's a little bit more difficult to raise, raise funds sometimes in the Midwest than it is on the coast. But um, we, we also love being in the Midwest because it gives us access to a lot of different kinds of companies, uh, Fortune 500 mm-hmm. and, you know, small startups and lots of great uh, nonprofits that we can do we can do a lot of work with and uh, we're able to, to try new things out and, and continue to innovate and bring better solutions to the market because of that very good very nice you mentioned you've been around for two years um talk to me about the traction you've seen in the last two years yeah no perfect love, love to do that um so we actually just on friday rolled out um kind of our, our first comprehensive commercial product. So we've been operating off of uh, a beta product for the first uh, year, year and a half of our existence. 
And um, even despite the fact that, you know, it's, it's been uh, a, kind of a half-baked product, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of good traction. Um, we've got thousands of users that are using it, um, hundreds of teams, and uh, everywhere from leadership teams and small nonprofits to, you know, software development teams inside of Fortune, Fortune 500. So uh, pretty broad-based of uh, clientele. And really what we talk about is anybody that's leading teams and wants something more from a performance standpoint out of their teams, um, is a potential client for us, and we think we can we can drive value uh, regardless of which type of team you are across that spectrum. So if you've got a team, Cloverleaf can help. That's right. Um, <laughs> and really what we've tried to do is make it extremely approachable. You know, if you're a, a, you know, a, or an early or, or first-level manager inside of your organization, you know, we, we've made it really easy and accessible for you to get started and, um, you know, br bring your team through this process. So, good. You mentioned earlier that this is uh, what you're feeling like as a, as a newer tool to market. Uh, not many folks out there like a, a positive and a negative uh, in that one, you've got a nice green field ahead of you, but negative or the challenges or the obstacles to this could be, you you know, how do you sell it? Who do you sell it to? Oh, yeah. Are Absolutely. folks aware of how this can be used? So why don't you tell us a little bit about how a sale works or how you approach a sale? Who who uses this type of technology and how do they use it? Yeah, no, that's a really great point. And, you know, anytime that you're kind of straddling different segments of the market, um, you know, it can be it can be difficult to find, you know, who who are your potential buyers, you know, who's who's likely Feeling the most pain and and wants to wants to purchase something today as a as a solution to that and um, an easy place for us to get started because we've integrated with a lot of these assessment companies is pre hire assessment so we do a fair amount on the HR side with with you know organizations that are looking at pre hire assessment and and want or either wanting to get started with pre hire assessment or already doing it but maybe are just as satisfied with the solutions they're using. But that's only about a third of our clientele. Most people are actual managers, you know, whether it's operations or, you know, CIOs that uh, just have teams of people that need to work well together. And uh, so two-thirds of our buyers are just people, you know, that, that want something more for their teams. And they're finding us a lot of different ways. Um, but that, we love that because that means, you know, this isn't just your traditional HR tool and, you know, we don't necessarily need to go through a long procurement process with HR um, to have an impact in the organization right away. Now, ultimately, um, HR is a huge influencer and a decision maker mm -hmm. um, as we start to expand our influence inside those organizations. Um, one really great place to think about or how we're kind of like, uh, who, who we're kind of going behind to help us shape shape our market positioning is Josh Burson, which you know everyone's everyone I think in the HR space is very familiar with, and uh, a lot of his stuff over the last year has been focused on you know HR and the little work, and uh, his kind of vision for where performance management is moving is is a really great way to think about our, our platform as a whole, and you know some of the hallmarks of performance management going forward is. You know, it needs to be continuous and ongoing. It needs to be where where people in the organization are working today. 
and it needs to be timely and relevant. And, you know, a lot of performance management solutions, you know, we're, we're traditionally focused on kind of end of year performance reviews and performance management going forward is going to look, I think, dramatically different. And, and I think how we're thinking or how most people are thinking about that today is, Hey, we're just moving our annual review process from, you know, once a year to once a quarter. But I think there's a much bigger shift afoot that we're hoping to kind of capitalize on. You brought up a couple of things there worth unpacking. Uh, let me continue on the current path just for a moment. Do you find that you you find an HR executive within an organization, you tell them what you're doing, they find it interesting, and they roll it out to a smaller segment or a smaller pilot population of an organization? Is that how um, folks dip their toe in the water? Or is it more... You sell the HR leads, they bring in finance and other teams, and then it becomes a more enterprise-wide deployment. Uh, because teams, depending on the size of the organization, and you mentioned being in the Midwest, there's a lot of those Fortune you know, 500 companies that you have access to. Um, I would imagine that this could be a fairly complex sale across you know, organizations within organizations. And, and by that, I mean the teams within an organization sometimes feel like different companies themselves. That's correct, and and I think I think your point point's really valid, right? I don't think you know if it's something that they haven't seen before. Um, people are oftentimes going to be hesitant to just roll something out enterprise wide. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we often do pilots with areas of the organization, and we'll say, you know, hey, where do you want what do you want better performance, or where are you feeling some of the some of the pain of people not working well together? You know, silo mentalities, or um, maybe you have a new manager, or you know, you've got some, some difficult personalities that you're, you're having a hard time navigating. And those are often really great places to pilot something. But, you know, I think I think we're probably over 80% in terms of our success in, in growing those pilot um, opportunities into larger, whether that's division-wide or even organization-wide um, implementation. And uh, we've been able to do that in a pretty short time period. You know, this isn't this hasn't been years because I mean, we really only had a commercial product for about a year. Right. So um, it kind of speaks to the level of value that people are experiencing, and that's just been a really easy way for us to kind of grow is, is that whole land and expand model, uh, prove out the value, and you know, if they're not seeing the value, then we don't we don't want to expand enterprise wide. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to work with people that are seeing the value and are going to be with us for a really long time. And what do you find are the key measures, KPIs, or metrics that when you land and begin the expansion that allows further expansion? Is it uh, typically one or two categories that are instantly impacted with the, a tool that improves this kind of communication and team development, or does it vary by organization, by team? Yeah, so we do look at a couple of really key metrics because most organizations are measuring this in one way or another. Uh, but one is just communication, and oftentimes that's measured in terms of some sort of annual, you know, employee survey. Um, and we're able to look at those results, uh, kind of pre-implementation, post-implementation. Uh, we've also built in some of our own uh, kind of survey tool sets or feedback mechanisms, so we're, we're able to look at the results from those as well. And then uh, one of the other places is just in terms of the effectiveness of performance conversations. Um, and that, that's typically an area that 
uh, a lot of organizations, you know, really feel the pain. You know, what's the what's the level of quality of those conversations? You know, the, is, the, is it action oriented? Does it feel like it's coming from a place where the manager really understands the individual um, and and cares for them? And I think you know th- what's more difficult to measure sometimes is the is the ability to kind of grow the level of empathy. Um, between managers and employees or within the context of the team environment, you know, having a better understanding of the value that each team member brings to the organization. Um, and instead of expecting them to be able to, you know, to fulfill all the needs, like let's focus on what are some of the key areas that this person can, can make the biggest contribution. And uh, that just creates a level of understanding and empathy that, that frankly uh, has been eroding inside of our organizations pretty dramatically over the last couple of decades. Hmm. Before uh, you and I started recording this podcast, we had a quick chat about the growth of the HR focus, HR tech in, in the way of conferences and vendors who were coming into the space. And one of the comments you'd mentioned uh, was that folks had looked at doing the once a year performance review. And now there's technology that allows better communication, better regular performance um, management and things of that sort. How much of a boon do you think this, flood of, of money into the HR tech space over the last three, four, five years has been on an organization like yours? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's incredibly helpful because um, it's kind of shaken maybe some of the traditional players um, out of a, a level of complacency, you know, and I, I think there's there's been a, an evolution in the HR tech market from basic blocking and tackling to this awareness, and partially that's been driven just by new innovative technologies like AI and, and you know, machine learning um, as, as an example. But uh, there's a lot of lot more focus, I think, beyond kind of the basic blocking and tackling of HR into really driving high-value, um, you know, conversation, high-value experiences for employees because, you know, especially in a tight labor market, um, and maybe it isn't always this way, but especially in a tight labor market, um, I think people are looking at things like engagement numbers, you know, not just on a, at an organizational level, but, you know, stepping back big picture and some of the stats that we've seen from studies from places like Gallup mm-hmm. that we're just not moving the needle on this. Um, and and the, the, the need for solutions like this, especially in a tight labor market, um, I think has, has hastened a flood of additional investment. I do think that's good for the HR tech market in general because the more money that you have in there, assuming that it's being efficiently you know, put to good use, um, will drive that innovation and will drive uh, kind of a renewed focus on, on the people aspects instead of just the, the basic blocking and tackling of, of traditional HR processes. Very good. Knowing that HR is generally a a cost center, not a revenue center for an organization, and this is a new, somewhat um, unknown technology to the market, because as you're saying, the traditional way of doing things was the once a year review and communication was, you know, the emails and the phone calls, and that's about, you know, the extent of what folks were doing. And then these silos get created, et cetera, et cetera. How do you position? How do you how do you make a sale on a software tool that 
you know, you are are pitching to and maybe tell us who you pitch to initially. And my guess is there's probably a key couple areas that might be interested. But why don't you tell us who your your typical buyer is, uh, both within an organization, how you position it, and then maybe a little bit of flavor on the types of companies who have adopted this service, whether they're, you know, blue collar manufacturing or white collar tech, legal organizations, call centers, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think where we've gotten the most um, kind of traction is in organizations where that people, the people working collaboratively is most critical, right? So um, software development is, is a really easy place, right? Because oftentimes it's not just engineers, but it's engineers working with marketing or product people. Um, and oftentimes these are people who have traditionally worked in silos and have kind of been able to just, you know, talk the work over the, over the proverbial wall, so to speak. Um, and then just then, Hey, I hope that gets done well. And then, you know, when it comes back, you know, we can, we can deal with the repercussions and it's just the speed of work and the speed of innovation means we can't work that way um, anymore. So I think organizations that really feel the pain of that, um, you know, traditional manufacturing, um, while in some cases maybe they've, they've done, uh, they've adopted some of those concepts um, in, in some, some places, um, it, it's still more about the process focus and it's more about robotic automation and stuff on the line and less about people's ideas coming together to produce some, some high-value output. And so really where we're focused is on those places where people are coming together and that output is really critical. So software development teams, leadership teams, uh, research and development, uh, engineering teams in general beyond software development, uh, those are all really great places. Uh, we also, uh, I think, work really, really well in um, teams or organizations where they're in kind of high growth mode or maybe where they're also leveraging a lot of kind of a non-traditional workforce, right? Whether that's uh, vendors and, and vendor um, uh, representatives or it's contractors or, or a combination of those three things where it's not just, you know, our organization's four walls, but it's how do we work well with our, our vendor representatives or how do we work well with these contractors um, uh, in, a, in a way that, you know, isn't just about, uh, traditional performance reviews for that for a for a pay increase. So I think those are examples of organizations where we we perform the best. Very good. I'm going to shift gears for a minute, Darren. Uh, looking at your profile here on LinkedIn. Uh, how would I classify you? Uh, co-founder of Cloverleaf, co-founder of Baby Cities, chief executive officer of Stockpills. Or is that piles? Uh, tell me, yeah. tell me, how does how does Darren tick? How do you would you call, call yourself a serial entrepreneur? Is this something that has always been part of your DNA? It started later on in life. Talk to us about how you founded Cloverleaf, and then maybe a little background on some of the other companies. Yeah, the interesting thing. I mean, that's such a great question, um, and I think I've only come to a realization over the last few years. Uh, but I, I, it has just been a part of my DNA, and it's always been there. Um, although the first probably 12 to 15 years of my career have really been spent in extremely large organizations. Um, so everything from Arthur Anderson to uh, the Munich Re Group uh, on the insurance side. And um, 
I I did well in those environments, but I always had to have side projects. I just had these aspects of who I was that I needed an outlet for. And in traditional finance or, you know, operations roles, I just didn't get an opportunity to flex those muscles. And once I stepped outside the confines of those, uh, of, you know, kind of the big organization, um, I, I just found so much more energy. And I kind of came to a place where I embraced that as a, as an identity, uh, serial entrepreneur, but I, I would not have said that prior to the last probably four years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it really is a classic case of part of what Spoke Relief is, is intending to solve, which is one, understanding who you are, but more importantly, understanding who you are in the context of the teams and the opportunities of, of the organizations that you're a part of. Um, and giving some transparency and giving a voice to that um, and providing some clarity both for leaders in the organization to identify that, like, hey, this person has talent, but in the role that they're in, they're only able to give, you know, 40 or 50 percent of, of what they really could give. And then pointing leaders and leaders and individuals in those teams and organizations to opportunities that might exist inside of their existing organizations to really leverage more of who they are. Because I think if if they're able to do that, they're gonna they're gonna stay engaged long term. Um, they're gonna know more about themselves and step confidently into those opportunities as opposed to saying no, this is safe, this is comfortable, and potentially stay in a place. Uh, uh, longer than, than they should. And how about the team? Is this a team that has come with you along the way from past jobs, or is this a, a fresh team, a new team for Cloverleaf? Yeah, so my co-founder, um, Kirsten Warfield, and I, we worked together at a at a previous company, but beyond that, um, these, are, these are people that we've assembled uh, largely using our own tool set, um, combing through candidates and looking at how they fit a cultural profile that we wanted to create um, as a startup team. So in most cases, these are not people that we've worked with in the past um, and in most cases aren't even really a part of our network. Um, but we've just, we've, you know, we've been really intentional about where we recruited uh, for candidates for open positions, and we were really intentional about what we were looking for in those candidates, the roles that we wanted them to fill, and uh, more specifically about how they contributed to a culture that we wanted to create for our organization. Excellent. How many employees is Cloverleaf up to these days? Yeah, we're up to 11 people, and um, eight of those are full-time, three are part-time. And um, um, depending on how successful we are in terms of growing, growing sales and, and opportunities, uh, hopefully that continues to grow. That's actually part of the next question. Where do you see this next step? Is it are, are you in the product is ready? You know, you just mentioned it's just deployed. Congratulations, by the way. I forgot to say that earlier. Um, oh, thank you. But now that it's launched, is this now you need to turn up the sales and marketing volume and really start to drive the sales in? So you're. You're hiring, you're looking for salespeople, or maybe you've got your sales team assembled. It's just a matter of hitting the ground running. No, you're exactly right. I think what held us back is kind of still being in this beta state. And, um, you know, one, we needed needed at least one person in each of the key roles for our organization. And the last hire we made was in customer success. So wanted to make sure that we had really good processes built out and, and we had things built out the way that we, we felt like we needed it built out to, to serve our clients and client organizations the way we, we wanted to. 
And then the other piece was having the technology at a place that we felt really, you know, excited to take that to market. And uh, I think we're there now. And uh, from our perspective, it's really about, it, it's all about scaling and, and accessing the right uh, potential customers for this next stage of growth. Great, great. And how about uh, funding? Are you, have you raised a certain amount? Are you raising soon? Talk, talk to us about your funding. Round at the end of February, um, and that that bought us, you know, a fair amount of runway, even with the additions. And um, I think in 2019 we'll probably raise again. Um, and yeah, that that's probably the, the time frame that we're looking at. Great. And how about your board? Do you have a number of board members that are currently advising the organization? And if there's anything you want to share about them, that'd be great. Yeah. No, we we actually just added a, a new board member uh, in the last month or so who is a uh, key people leader at Accenture and uh, really excited about adding adding her to our board. Um, and then uh, the other board member represents uh, our lead investor from the, from the first first funding round. And uh, uh, both, both of those ladies are just fantastic resources. Uh, Sue had previously worked at Procter Gamble for a couple of decades and just has an incredible wealth of experience about, you know, how to, how to grow a business, how to build an infrastructure uh, for an organization that's going to last, um, you know, not just a couple of years, but decades. And um, so we're really excited about the leadership that those, those ladies bring to us. I'm excited to hear that as well. Not only do you have a female co-founder, but two female board members. That's fantastic. It's sometimes lacking in this day and age, although the, the data shows that startups that have uh, a lot of female leadership in key positions tend to do better from a VC standpoint in other ways uh, with, with regards to measures of success. So congratulations to you on that. Yeah, thanks. Now, their, their resume speaks for itself, but obviously that, it's nice to be able to say that we've got you know, three of our four board members are um, are, are women. Very excited about that. Excellent. Uh, winding down, just a couple more questions. Where do you see growth in the next year to two years? Yeah, I really think it's going to be pushing more into that um, uh, performance management space. So how do we provide tools and resources for this kind of new evolution of performance management? And specifically in areas where there's a heavy team focus. Um, so, you know, we're, we're moving beyond just um, assessment and collection, and it's going to be way more about uh, skill and competency development. It's going to be about, uh, you know, those performance conversations and how to have those in a really effective way. Um, you know, one of the things I failed to mention about our product suite is we've got a ton of integrations with key productivity tools. So things like email and calendaring and collaboration tools like Slack. Because we really think the the way to, to make this effective is to just integrate that into where people are interacting with each other on a day to day basis, where mm -hmm. they're spending the majority of their time communicating with each other and you know, getting work done, frankly, and um, providing providing these tools and solutions at the point where those conversations are happening um, just increases the level of effectiveness and engagement with um, with their own individual uh, personal development, but also their engagement and effectiveness um, from a team and organizational um, performance development perspective. So we want to push even further uh, in that space. And, you know, for us, it's all about providing the right information um, in the right context 
um, that is relationally uh, focused, and and that's that's really kind of where where our entire product roadmap is focused on. Great. And how about the name Cloverleaf? Where did it come from? Yeah, in the early days before we had a brand and a, and a logo and a name, it was it was one of those things where whenever I would communicate. Um, what it was that we were trying to build, right? We didn't have a product at the time, and you know, I can't just send someone to a website and say, "Hey, go take a look at that." So, whenever I would communicate, I would draw three concentric circles and talk about these three different aspects of our of our life and how do we how do we bring that together and provide visibility or transparency to it. And you know, just to kind of use an, an alliteration, we've we've kind of stayed with the P theme. So, proficiency, you know, skill, experience, competencies. Uh, preferences, which what what we would consider some of the cultural aspects or work preferences, uh, values, all of that kind of wrapped into that. And then the, the third piece is is personality. Uh, so what are these behaviors, uh, these ways that you work that kind of impacts performance? And uh, it always drove me crazy when I would hear people talk about exceptional talent because um, you know this this idea of exceptional talent it, it takes a, a context. For people to be successful in, and um, that those early days, drawing the three concentric circles, kind of sharing that vision, um, was just a natural uh, fit and progression to build that into our brand. So that's that's how Cloverleaf came to be. Excellent. And then usually the next question is, well, why is there a fourth lead? And I would say that, that represents luck, and luck has nothing to do with it. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Not only that, but. Uh... Those are those are rare and hard to find. You want the Cloverleaf that everybody has, which is you know teams that require a performance management and communication solution like Cloverleaf, right? That's right. That's right. Excellent. All right. Last question from me: How do we find you? If your list, if our listeners are saying this sounds pretty neat, I want to learn more about Cloverleaf. Uh, how do I contact Darren? How do I contact the team? How do they engage you? Yeah. No. Great question. So it's Cloverleaf.me. Me. Um, .com is apparently uh, some cold storage um, uh, business, but you know, hopefully someday we'll we'll find a way to, to go grab that domain name. But it's cloverleaf.me. Uh, we like the .me just because it it represents this this intersection of the individual um, in the context of that team environment. So you can go there. We've got a chat bot in the lower right corner. Uh, it goes to each of our cell phones. You can ask any question. There's also, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of data and information you can poke around on on the site. And then there's, uh, of course, forms that you can you can shoot us a quick message and get specific questions. Uh, the easiest way, though, is by far on the website with the little chat box in the little right corner. Uh, and we respond to that very quickly. Excellent. Well, very good, Darren. Thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for your time. Really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Our guest today has been Darren Murner from Cloverleaf. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard and you'd like to learn more about the NFP Innovation Lab and Venture Fund, please go to innovationlab.nfp.com. 